0: 1 Samuel chapter 28, verse 1, And it came to pass in those days that the Philistines gathered their hosts together for warfare to fight with Israel. And Achish said unto David, Know thou assuredly that thou shalt go out with me in the host, thou and thy men. David is still living in Achish's land, and he's pretending to be Achish's friend. Achish says, you're going to go fight with me against Israel. Now up to this point, David has never fought against Israel. He's only fought with Israel. And in the last chapter, he lied to King Achish and told him that he had killed Israelites when he had actually killed pagans. But in reality, he's never killed Israelites. 2. And David said to Achish, Therefore thou shalt know what thy servant will do. And Achish said to David, Therefore will I make thee keeper of my head forever. David said, You'll see what I will do. Because he doesn't want to promise to kill Israelites. So he's just promising that Achish will see what he does. And Achish says to David, You're going to be the head of my army forever. For two reasons. Number one, David is a great warrior. And number two, Achish thinks that David has already killed some Israelites and that he wouldn't mind killing more. Which is a false belief, but that's the belief that Achish has. He also believes that David can't go home because he already killed some Israelites which is another false belief. 3. Now Samuel was dead, and all Israel had lamented and buried him in Ramah, even in his own city, and Saul had put away those that divined by a ghost or a familiar spirit out of the land. We already know Samuel was dead, and he was the great prophet of Saul's time, but now he's gone. There are still prophets in Israel, but they are not as reliable as Samuel was. Familiar spirits, as the Bible mentions in this verse, It's when a demon pretends to be a dead person. That's why a lot of people believe in reincarnation, and they believe in ghost stories, because demons will come and present themselves to humans as dead people, or they'll say to a human, you used to be so-and-so in a previous life, and they'll give that person a whole bunch of information about so-and-so. What we have to realize is, Demons have lived for thousands and thousands of years. They were alive before the earth was created. Because God made the angels before he made the earth. One third of the angels fell from heaven because they revolted against God's son, Jesus, and they chose to worship one of the angels named Lucifer, who is now Satan. Lucifer originally was a beautiful angel at God's throne that was there to worship the Lord but he believed that he was better than God. He got a third of the angels to worship him and rebel against God's son, Jesus, who was in heaven all along. They were kicked out of heaven, they fell from heaven, and when they fell, they became hideous, disgusting creatures. Lucifer lost all of his beauty and became Satan, who is a hideous, fiendish looking, evil devil. All of his demons also lost their beauty as well, and they all became hideous creatures. God is allowing them to live to tempt us on earth until we decide if we choose Jesus or if we choose Satan. And those of us who choose Satan will go to hell, and many already have. And those who choose Jesus will live eternally with him in heaven. Knowing that demons have been alive for thousands and thousands of years, and it's not their time to die yet, they won't die until after Christ's millennial reign. That's when the demons will finally be destroyed. They have lived through hundreds of generations of human beings on this planet for the last 6,000 years. So they know things about people who used to live because they were here, they were alive, walking with those people. Especially people who lived in great sin because they may have possessed those people or had a stronghold in their lives. So they have even more information about people who were sinful. So what they'll do is they'll come to somebody in the present day, and they'll say, Oh, you're reincarnated. You used to be so-and-so. And they'll give that person all these memories, and all this information about the person, because they know. That's why they're called familiar spirits. They're familiar with human beings who lived before, because they interacted in their lives, and tempted them to sin. And they can appear as those people, as ghosts. They can also pretend to be a ghost of so-and-so. But so-and-so is not really there. It's just a demon pretending to look and act like that person. So what witches do, even today, and so do New Age people, anyone who has a spirit guide or a spirit who gives them information, it's always a familiar spirit. There's also so-called Christian pastors who say that they have angels talking to them, and those are actually demons that are familiar spirits. New Age people call them spirit guides, and false Christians call them personal angels. So don't ever talk to a spirit. It's definitely a demon. And of course they can give you all kinds of information because they've been around for thousands of years. That's why they know so much. Even today, witches have familiar spirits. That's how they know things about the dead. When people come to them and pay them money to tell them something about Aunt so-and-so who died two years ago, then the witch will call up her familiar spirit, her demon that she works with, and that demon will give her information about aunt so-and-so, and then they'll tell their client, and then their client will be amazed, and keep paying them, and keep coming back. So that's how the witch makes money, is the demon is feeding the witch information that the witch gets paid to tell to the client. That's one of the major aspects of witchcraft. This is also a major aspect of the New Age religion, and a lot of eastern religions. They have familiar spirits that they work with. These gurus, they all have familiar spirits. These are demons who have lived for thousands of years. They tell the guru, and then the client pays the guru to tell them. The client believes that it's coming from the actual ancestors of the past, but it's not. It's coming from demons. We'll continue with a chapter. Saul had made an edict that Witches were no longer allowed to practice in Israel because he knows that God hates witchcraft. 4. And the Philistines gathered themselves together and came and pitched in Shunem, and Saul gathered all Israel together and pitched in Gilboa. They are pitching opposite, the Philistines are in the north of Israel, Saul would be pitched somewhere to the south of them. And pitched means they are making their military camps. 5. And when Saul saw the host of the Philistines, he was afraid and his heart trembled greatly, Fear is a sin. Whenever you feel afraid of anything but the Lord Himself, you are sinning. Just know that. Because when you realize that you're sinning, then you realize that you can repent and be free of that fear. All you have to do to be free of it is to simply say, Lord, I repent of carrying this fear. And then He'll take it away from you. 6. And when Saul inquired of the Lord, the Lord answered him not, neither by dreams, nor by Urim nor by prophets. The Urim and the Thuman on the priest's breastplate light up. One means yes, and one means no. The Urim didn't light up, meaning yes, go fight. And he wouldn't want to fight unless the Lord told him to, because the Lord won't tell you to fight unless you're going to win. He himself didn't get a dream, his prophets weren't able to prophesy. The Lord is being silent. Whenever the Lord is silent, when you ask the Lord a question, even if he's silent for days, weeks, or months, your faith is being tested. Remain in your faith and wait patiently on the Lord to answer. And he will answer, but a lot of times he'll test our faith first. Saul hasn't been following the Lord for a long time, so I'm not surprised that the Lord didn't answer him. But if he had just waited on the Lord long enough, and repented of his sins, the Lord would have given him an answer. But he was unrepentant and not willing to wait. 7 Then Saul said unto his servants, Seek a woman that divineth by a ghost, that I may go to her and inquire of her. And his servants said to him, Behold, there is a woman that divineth by a ghost at Endor. Again, the humans are saying it is a ghost, but in reality it is a familiar spirit. It is a demon pretending to be a ghost. Isn't this interesting that Saul doesn't want the other Israelites to sin with witchcraft, but it's okay if he does it. 8 And Saul disguised himself, and put on other raiment, meaning clothing that wasn't fit for a king, and went he and two men with him. And they came to the woman by night, and he said, Divine unto me, I pray thee by a ghost, and bring me up whomsoever I shall name unto thee. He wants her to bring up somebody who is dead from the dead. course, witches always promise to do this, but they are not bringing up anybody from the dead. Their familiar spirit, which is the demon that works with them, is pretending to be whomever the client wants. 9 And the woman said unto him, Behold, thou knowest what Saul hath done, how he hath cut off those that divine by a ghost or a familiar spirit out of the land. Wherefore then layest thou a snare for my life, to cause me to die? The witch is saying, Why are you asking me to divine You know that Saul will have me killed if I do that. 10 And Saul swore to her by the Lord, saying, As the Lord liveth, there shall no punishment happen to thee for this thing. So he's promising her that she won't get punished. She at this point doesn't realize that he is Saul. 11 Then said the woman, Whom shall I bring up unto thee? And he said, Bring me up, Samuel. Now Samuel has already died, but we need to realize something, Samuel is not in heaven. Now today if the saint dies, they go to heaven. But at this point, Jesus had not died on the cross yet. This is hundreds of years before Jesus died on the cross. All of the people who loved the Lord and followed him, they didn't go to heaven. They went to a place called paradise. That's why when Jesus was on the cross, he told the man next to him on the other cross who repented of his sins and said, Lord, remember me in your kingdom. He told him, today you will be with me in paradise. He didn't say, today you will be with me in heaven. He said, today you will be with me in paradise. Because he was going into the center of the earth where paradise was. It's no longer occupied. But at that time, paradise was occupied by all of the patriarchs in the Bible. All the people who followed the Lord. But they were all in paradise. In the center of the earth is where hell is, but there's a chasm in between paradise and hell, kind of like the Grand Canyon. The chasm is so deep and so wide that you can't cross it. On one side was hell, and on the other side was paradise, where all of the saints were waiting to meet their Messiah. They couldn't go to heaven yet because Jesus said, I am the way to the Father. The Father is in heaven. They couldn't go to heaven until they met the way who is Jesus Christ. So they were all waiting in this place called paradise, and that's why Jesus told the parable in the New Testament of Lazarus, who went to hell, and across the chasm was the poor man who went to Abraham's bosom, which was another terminology for paradise, because Abraham was there. That's where Abraham was waiting to meet his Christ. Now when Jesus died on the cross, he went to paradise, which was in the center of the earth, not heaven and he set the captives free. The captives were those people who were saints, who had been waiting for him for thousands or hundreds of years, depending on when they died. They were waiting for him to appear and reveal himself to them, so that he could take them to the Father, to heaven. So today, Abraham and all the other patriarchs are in heaven now, and if you die today, you will go straight to heaven, because the patriarchs are already there. Both Jesus and the man who got saved on the other cross, the thief, he took that thief to paradise that day, where all the other patriarchs were waiting. Once you go to hell, you aren't coming out again. Hell is eternal, and you don't come out. Except in the book of Revelation, it says that Hades and hell will give up their dead to go before the throne and get judged, and then they'll go straight back to hell. You never get out of hell except for on Judgment Day, and it's only for one day. Hell is eternal, just like Jesus said. When you call up people who've gone to hell, you aren't calling up anybody. It's a familiar spirit pretending to be that person. Samuel was not in hell, he was in paradise, which is across the chasm. Jesus went to paradise, he did not go to hell. Today, Kenneth Copeland and Joyce Meyer and others teach that Jesus went to hell when he died on the cross. And this is absolutely not true. He did not go to hell. He did not get punished in hell for our sins. He did not get tormented by demons. His punishment was on earth, with the beating and the crucifixion itself. That was the punishment that he took. He never went to hell. When he went into the belly of the earth for three days, he was there preaching the gospel, which is himself, to the people in paradise. Samuel was not being brought up from hell because Samuel was one of the patriarchs who were in Abraham's bosom, otherwise known as paradise. Once Jesus set the captives free, they all went up to heaven. Today, when you die, you don't go to paradise in the center of the earth. Across the chasm, you go straight up to heaven. Because we know Jesus, he's already died on the cross, we know his name, and we've accepted him. One of the reasons I brought all of that up, is to explain to you how it's possible that Samuel could come up. We have to understand he did not come up from hell, because no one is allowed to leave hell, except one time on Judgment Day. Samuel came up from paradise. Now, did he come up by the power of Satan? No. Because no witch, that has ever lived can actually call somebody up from the dead. What they are doing is they have a demon who pretends to be a ghost. Witches cannot call anyone up from hell or heaven or paradise. Now today, paradise is empty, because Jesus set all of those captives free. They all received him because they were all followers of the Lord, and they knew he was coming when they were alive. We'll read about this when we get to Isaiah and the Psalms, that Isaiah and King David knew all about the Son of God, and they knew he was coming. They knew he was going to die for their sins, but they didn't know his name, and he hadn't done it yet. So they all received him, and he took them all up to heaven. So all the captives were set free at the end of those three days that Jesus was in the center of the earth, but he was never in hell and nobody from hell got set free. That's another false teaching as people say that he set the captives free from hell. No, he did not. When you go there, you're there for good. The woman was not capable of calling Samuel up because no witch has that power and Satan doesn't have that power. Did you know that Satan did not create hell and he has no power over hell or who goes there? That is totally controlled by God. All she could do was have her demon familiar spirit pretend to be whoever Saul wanted, but the real Samuel actually comes up. Now He came up for two reasons. Number one, he wasn't in heaven yet, because the Bible says you can only die once. You cannot be reincarnated. You cannot come back. But Samuel hadn't gone to heaven yet. He was in paradise. Once you go to heaven, there's no way you're coming back. And secondly, God allowed Samuel to come back, because the witch didn't have the power Nor did Satan, nor did the familiar spirit, to cause Samuel to come up. God has allowed Samuel to come up. I don't know why, but he did allow it. Probably because he had no intention of ever speaking to Saul again. So he said, okay, you want to hear it from Samuel? I'll let you hear it from Samuel. So he let Samuel come up and again rebuke Saul. Every time Samuel talks to Saul, he rebukes Saul. So even when he came up from Paradise, he rebuked Saul. And God allowed this one-time event for his own glory. It is really mysterious because it never happened before and it never happened after. It can't happen now because all the saints are in heaven and they're not leaving heaven, just like the people in hell are not leaving hell. Except on judgment day, we'll all appear before the throne and then we'll either go back to heaven or back to hell wherever we were. And those who hadn't died will at that point go to heaven or hell. But one time in the whole history of creation, God allowed one person from paradise to come up. The witch had no power to do this. This was God's work. Anyway, I'll continue with the chapter. 12. And when the woman saw Samuel, she cried with a loud voice, and the woman spoke to Saul, saying, Why hast thou deceived me? For thou art Saul. The reason she screamed is because it wasn't her familiar spirit. She was used to her demon pretending to be people and she knew her demon and her demon knew her but this time she saw somebody who was not her demon who was an actual person coming up from paradise and that's why she screamed she was terrified because she didn't do this god did it that's why she was so afraid and she figured out that the only person who could possibly protect her would be king saul 13. And the king said unto her, Be not afraid, for what seest thou? And the woman said unto Saul, I see a godlike being coming up out of the earth. He said to her, Don't be afraid, just tell me what you see. He's so desperate to get an answer from the Lord. And she says, I see a godlike being coming up. This is because Samuel was probably glowing and he also was actually coming up from the earth, because she wasn't used to ever seeing anybody come up. She would tell her clients that she saw, you know, Aunt so-and-so come up, but in reality, she knew it was her demon playing dress-up. He was probably glowing, because he was under the power of God, and he was a saint. Just like Moses glowed when Moses saw God on the mountain, and the angels are always glowing when they appear to us from heaven. 14. And he said unto her, What form is he of? And she said, An old man cometh up, and he is covered with a robe. And Saul perceived that it was Saul, and he bowed with his face to the ground and prostrated himself. This also is very evil, because we're not supposed to worship people, and Saul is going to worship Samuel instead of God. All God wants is for Saul to repent, but he'll do anything but repent. So he's practicing witchcraft, he's worshiping Samuel, but he won't repent. 15. And Samuel said to Saul, Why hast thou disquieted me to bring me up? And that means, why did you bring me out of my comfort? Because paradise was a very comfortable place, just like the Garden of Eden was. Saul answered, I am sore distressed, for the Philistines make war against me, and God is departed from me, and answereth me no more, neither by prophets nor by dreams. Therefore I have called thee, that thou mayest make known unto me what I shall do. 16. And Samuel said, Wherefore then dost thou ask of me, seeing the Lord has departed from thee and has become thine adversary? Saul said, I'm not getting any word from God, and so I wanted to call you up to talk to you. And Samuel said, If God is against you, I can't do anything for you. 17 And the Lord hath wrought for himself, as he spoke by me, and the Lord hath rent the kingdom out of thy hand, and given it to thy neighbor, even to David. Samuel has just rebuked him and said, I can't help you if God is your enemy. And now he's repeating the prophecy that he's already told Saul a couple of times that you've lost your kingdom and it's going to be given to David. 18, because thou didst not hearken to the voice of the Lord and didst not execute his fierce wrath upon Amalek, therefore hath the Lord done this thing unto thee this day. Saul didn't wait on the Lord when Samuel told him to wait to do the sacrifice. When Samuel got there, Saul did the sacrifice early and he also did not devote the city of Amalek. He kept some of the people and some of the animals alive to bribe the Israelites with. 19. Moreover, the Lord will deliver Israel also with thee into the hand of the Philistines, and tomorrow shalt thou and thy sons be with thee. The Lord will deliver the host of Israel also into the hand of the Philistines. Samuel is saying that God is going to cause you to die in battle with your sons. And the Israelites are going to lose the battle to the Philistines. 20. Then Saul fell straightway his full length upon the earth and was sore afraid because of the words of Samuel. And there was no strength in him for he had eaten no bread all the day nor all the night. Saul is kind of fainted. He was fasting because he wanted an answer from the Lord. So he's partly faint from fasting and partly faint because he's lost courage because he knows that God is going to kill him. 21. And the woman came unto Saul, and saw that he was sore affrighted, and said unto him, Behold, thy handmaid hath hearkened unto thy voice, and I have put my life in my hand, and have hearkened unto thy words which thou spokest unto me. 22. Now therefore, I pray thee, hearken thou also unto the voice of thy handmaid, and let me set a morsel of bread before thee, and eat, that thou mayest have strength when thou goest on thy way. So she says, I did what you asked me to do. Now let me feed you something so that you'll be able to get out of my house. Because he was too weak to walk. 23, but he refused and he said, I will not eat. But his servants together with a woman urged him. He has two men with him. The two men and the witch are all saying, you have to eat. And he hearkened unto their voice. So he arose from the earth and sat upon the bed. He sits on the bed to wait for her to cook. 24. And the woman had a fatted calf in the house, and she made haste and killed it. And she took flour and kneaded it and did bake unleavened bread thereof. She baked the unleavened bread, which means bread without sin, although she is a great sinner and so is Saul. So that's hypocritical right there. But she did make him kind of a righteous meal, even though she and he were both sinners. 25. And she brought it before Saul and before his servants and they did eat. Then they rose up and went away that night. Now a lot of people would say, well isn't it sweet that the witch cooked them dinner? She's a nice lady. I'm sure God forgave her. Just because evil people do nice things doesn't mean that God has forgiven them or that we can be their friends. Evil people do nice things all the time. They give gifts at Christmas. They pat you on the back when they're pleased with you. They even give hugs and kisses when they greet people. And yeah, they donate to charity too, and they might even come over and mow your lawn, but that doesn't mean that they're good people to hang around with, that they're good influences. And unfortunately today, whenever Christians see an evil person do something good, They think, oh, well, that's a good person. We're not saved by good deeds. We're only saved by the grace of Jesus Christ in our lives, which means that we've repented of our sins and we're putting our full trust in him. That's what saves us. And it's funny how Christians forget this when it comes to picking their friends, and they'll be friends with somebody who they know is a practicing sinner, just because that person goes to church every now and then, or gives to charity, or volunteers at a charity, and they'll think, oh well this person's okay. Yeah, we're supposed to love everybody, but we aren't supposed to trust everybody. Love and trust are two different things, and we aren't supposed to be friends with everybody. You can love people without being their buddy. The greatest way to love anybody is to tell them the Gospel. So anyway, we need discernment. And that concludes 1 Samuel chapter 28.